0: Well, I am so excited about this series on uh, looking at our money because it has the potential really to change our lives. And the reason it does is that we know that our money is a spiritual issue. So the solution to your money isn't money. You know, in this series, Clayton and I recognize that you are working hard for your money, And we want your money to work for you. We don't want it to be a burden. And we believe that if we had enough to live like we want, both now and in the future, without worry, our money would work for us. And so over these four weeks, we are breaking down this sentence to understand how our money can actually work for us and not against us. Now, last week, Clayton looked at the phrase, live like we want. And here's what we discovered. When you are in debt, your money isn't working for you. Even though you may have all the stuff you want, you don't own your stuff, your stuff owns you. And the only way to change that is that you've got to pay off your debt and save money. That's the only way your money will work for you and not against you. And so today, we're going to talk about how you and I have to think in order to save money. And it's contained in the phrase, both now and in the future. So let's pray together and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we give you these next few moments, and we ask that your Spirit would take your Word and make it come alive in our lives. Help us to think well. Help us to understand what we need to do. We ask you to speak to us, for our hearts and minds are open, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine in Midland, Texas, and we were just having, you know, those general lunch kind of conversations. And in the course of it, we were talking some about our money, and he made a statement that probably wasn't all that significant to him, but I've remembered it. He said in the course of talking that he had come to the place in his life where he could lay down a 20 anytime he wanted to. Now, I've been told that the statement laying down a 20 has a certain meaning, kind of like making it rain, and that there's a song written about it, okay? If you're innocent enough that you don't know about that, I was too. Just to be clear, that's not what I'm talking about. When I say lay down a 20, I'm talking about taking your daughter on a date or buying something you need at academy or helping a coworker that's fallen on hard times. I'm talking about being able to lay down a 20 anytime you want for a worthy cause. I'm talking about your money working for you, not against you. And I think... If you and I could lay down a 20 anytime we wanted, it would be an indication that our money was working for us. Because a $20 bill means something to most of us. But you know what? Most of us can't just lay down a 20 anytime we want whether you're working two jobs to pay the bills or maybe you're a single mom trying to raise your kids or maybe your adult children keep needing assistance or maybe you're a senior citizen just trying to make it on social security, most of us are still working for our money. And our money needs to work for us, not against us. But to make this happen... The one thing we absolutely cannot do is make poor decisions about our money. And that can be hard to avoid. Because as Clayton reminded us last week, everyone from the sponsors of your kids' Saturday morning cartoons to your local grocery store are trying to get you to spend your money with them. As you know, credit flows easily and Amazon Prime is ingenious. I mean, you can buy anything and it will be here in two days. It's easy to buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have. And here's what that means. If you want your money to work for you and not against you, you're going to have to think Radically differently about your money. And that's what I want us to talk about today. How should we think about our money? Now, it's very interesting that when the New Testament writers spoke about money, they assumed that we would understand a basic truth about life that affects our ability to lay down a 20. Yet most of us don't recognize this basic truth. The Apostle Paul wrote to his young protege, Timothy, about it, and this is what he said. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God So what is this basic truth that most of us miss? Well, our stage design today shows us. Paul assumed that we would recognize that there is a present age and a coming age. And he assumed that we would understand that what we do with our money in the present age affects our life in the coming age. Now, in the New Testament, the present age generally refers to life on this earth. And on average, for us, for most of us, it's going to be about 75 years. It's relatively short. The coming age refers to eternity. And very significantly, for our point today, the coming age lasts forever. Now, the New Testament writers assumed that you and I would understand the significance of these two ages and how it affects our money. So let's see just how much we know and understand about these two ages. Based on what you see here, which lasts longer? The present age or the coming age? Oh, very good. Y'all are on a roll. All right, based on that, What would you say? Which is more important, the present age or the coming age? Oh, the coming age. And based on your answer, which should we think more about, the present age or the coming age? Uh Uh-huh. You got 100. Way to go. Give yourselves a hand. Hey, go ahead. Because I got some bad news for you. What do most of us actually do? That's right. Most of us are so caught up in the present age that we never consider the coming age. Just think about the conversations you had this week. How many of you had conversations about the coming age? How many of you had conversations about eternity? I know we had many conversations about the present age, but we even collectively had almost no conversations about the coming age, even though it is eternal and really, if you think about it, is more real and is more important. You see, Paul implied that if you and I never think about the coming age, Our money will not work for us. Our money will work against us if all we ever think about is our money in the present age. Your money is a spiritual matter. And that's why the solution to your money isn't money. Listen to what Paul said. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. You know, when you and I never think about the coming age, Paul said there are two mistakes that we tend to make with our money, and it's why our money works against us. First, we think our money makes us better. This is what Paul meant whenever he said, Tell them, command them not to be arrogant. We tend to think that where we live, what we drive, and what we wear indicate who we are. And so naturally, the better those things are, the better we are. But this kind of thinking usually leads to debt. Because in order to continually have better and better and better things, we have to spend more than we actually have. The second mistake Paul said we can make is that is thinking that our money makes us secure. This is what Paul meant when he said, don't put your hope in wealth. And this directly affects our ability to lay down a 20 because when our hope is in our money, it makes us less willing to give it away. We tend to become stingy with our money Because for us, it represents security. I can't afford to lay down a 20 to help you. I might need it someday myself. And when we make these two mistakes, it's because we're only thinking about our money in the present age. Now, does that seem clear to you? Does that seem kind of obvious to you? That's something that we gotta get. It's a part of the thinking that we have to get if we want our money to work for us. You know, a few years ago, a guy asked to have coffee with me. He was a little bit confused about some things going on in his life and he wanted to figure some stuff out. And to be honest, I don't remember his name. I couldn't point him out if he, you know, we in the crowd today. I don't remember where we met, but I do remember his problem. He'd grown up in a household where his parents didn't have any time for him. And because of it, he got bullied. When he got bullied at school and he didn't have any support at home, he just wanted to get out of there as fast as he could. And so he did. He graduated high school at age 16. Obviously, a very capable guy to be able to pull that off. Well, then he thought to himself, if I, can, if I can get out of high school that fast, maybe I can retire fast as well. And so he set the goal of retiring at age 35. And his motive for doing this was to spend large amounts of time with his wife and children. He didn't want to make the same mistake that his parents had made with him, a very noble goal. But now, he was 28. And 35 was getting close. And he was working 12 hours a day, six days a week at two different jobs. And he was making a ton of money. He was well on his way toward retirement. But then I asked him, so when do you see your kids? And when I asked him that question, he just stared off into space. He was dumbfounded. In his present quest to make money, he'd lost sight of his goal. He'd lost sight of what really mattered. His money wasn't working for him. It was working against him. Let me ask you, in your present situation, in your present way of using your money, your present debt, your present inability to save, has it caused you to lose sight of what really matters? You know, I don't think most of us are consumed with getting filthy rich. Most of us just want to provide for our families and we want to live better. But when we define that by how much stuff we have, Our stuff usually ends up owning us instead of us owning our stuff. Our money doesn't work for us. And in the present age, we lose sight of what really matters in the coming age. So let me ask you, has that happened to you? Is your money a burden to you? Do you wish you could redo some of the financial decisions that you've made that have gotten you into this present situation that you're in? Well, Paul said you can. Look at what he said. He said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Do you see what Paul was saying? It's better to lay down a 20 to help someone else than to consume all your money on yourself. And when you do, you not only help another person right now, you actually lay up treasure for yourself in eternity. You know, the other day I was talking to Michelle Jack, our executive pastor, about these verses. And she told me about a time that a co-worker of hers did exactly what Paul was talking about. Take a look at
1: this. So it's about 17 years ago, I am a single mom. I'm working full time and all of my money is going towards benefits for my son and I and daycare so I can work. And I remember the day that I went to the WIC office to do kind of like my monthly check-in and the lady, I can still see her face, she was sitting across the table from me and um, she told me, you need to put your son on baby food. And I told her I didn't have him on baby food yet, and, um, but was giving him the formula that I was getting my WIC vouchers for. And she says, well, for his nutrients, and you need to start giving him baby food. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I will. She was like, no, okay, so that's it. And she was like, your vouchers are expiring, and we're not gonna be able to support you anymore. And I remember sitting across the table from her, and I was like, no, no, wait a minute, you can't do that. Like, and I practically was begging her not to do that. I was like, there's no way I can feed my son. I can't put food on the table for him. I can't do that. I'm completely dependent on this help. And she was like, sorry, stamped my file, closed it, got up and walked away. I was so stuck. Like I was so literally without a solution. I was too proud to ask for help, um, too embarrassed. And uh, I worked at H-E-B at the time. And. Um, one of the administrative assistants that was there saw that I was clearly upset and asked what was going on. So um, I took some time and told her all about it, and she listened. And um, at the end of my shift, a couple of hours later, I turn around, she walks in, and she's just got a couple of bags of groceries, the paper bags, and she puts them on the desk in front of me and she says, here you go. And I looked inside and there was 173 bottles of baby food In those bags, she literally cleared the entire shelf of every baby food jar that there was. And she said, here, don't worry about it.
0: Wow. (laughs) Did that woman ever lay down at 20? 173 jars of baby food. She cleared the shelves at H-E-B. Wouldn't that be fun to go in and do that on behalf of someone else? What an incredible act of generosity. That's what Paul said to do. And let me remind you, the woman who helped Michelle was not rich. She was an administrative assistant at H-E-B. But this woman's good deed Her willingness to share changed a life. Last year when Michelle became a pastor here at City Church, she wrote this woman and told her all that had happened to her in the intervening years and how her generosity was a turning point in her life. Y'all, that's why we want to be able to lay down a 20. Our money has the power not only to change our lives, it has the power to change other people's lives as well. And by laying down a 20 in the present age, this woman was laying up treasure in the coming age. Isn't this how you wanna live? Are you tired of your money working against you? Do you wish you could be more generous toward the people that you love? Are you tired of the burden of debt? Don't you wish you were financially free so that you could actually behave like you believe? Well, you can. If you are willing to make major radical adjustments with your money. Now, if we're just gonna go on and do what we've been doing This is just a nice story and we may as well move on. But if we wanna live this way, then we've gotta make changes. If you wanna be able to lay down a 20, you can't spend every bit of every paycheck and you sure can't spend more than is in your paycheck. You have to save money. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to commit yourself to begin to save. So let me give you two very practical steps to take. And then I want to tell you how we did it in our family. First, start by paying off your debts. Clayton talked about this last week. I don't know if you took him seriously or not. But if you want to be able to lay down a 20 anytime you want, the first thing you have to do is get radical about paying off your debts. Your money will always be a burden to you if you do not do this. And this is why we are begging you to join FPU, Financial Peace University, and to to do this with Dave Ramsey. Last year, 139 graduates... um, retired almost $480,000 worth of personal debt. Y'all, that is $3,445 per person. Imagine if you and your spouse went to Dave Ramsey together, that would be nearly $7,000 of debt retired if you're just average. And you saw in a video last week that some people have done uh, tremendously more than that. And so that's the first step you got to take. If you want to lay down at 20, you have to get out of debt. Secondly, save $1,000 as an emergency fund and do it within the next three months. Some of you can do it faster than that, but all of us can do it in the next three months. Do whatever you have to do to accomplish this goal. Cancel your cable TV. Stop eating out. Brown bag your lunch. Place a moratorium on buying clothes. Do not, I repeat, do not buy another fountain drink at the Valero Corner Store ever again in your life. Even Starbucks. It's all covered. Do not buy another Whataburger Number 2 meal until you have saved $1,000. Now you know I'm serious. You gotta get radical, whatever that looks like for you to save, you can do this. You know, Linda and I have saved money our whole lives. Let me just tell you about one time that we did it. Just before our family of six moved to Zambia in 2005, the dollar devalued 33% in Zambia, which meant that when we got there, everything was unbelievably expensive. Now, organizations that had foreigners living there, um, living overseas, have this thing that they call a cost of living adjustment. Some of you may have received that before if you've lived internationally. What it is, the COLA, is money that is added to your salary to help you cope with uh, unusual situations like that. It puts more money in your pocket so that you have an equal amount of buying power. Now, in our case, when we went there, our our annual salary was uh, $28,500 a year. And the cost of living adjustment for that year that we were there was actually bigger than our salary. It was $32,000. I mean, that was unbelievable. Most of our friends, you know what they did with that cost of living adjustment? They spent it. We saved all of it. And let me tell you how we did it. We adjusted the way we ate. So every day for lunch, we ate tomato and mayonnaise sandwiches. In fact, they were so good, I may go home and have one today. (laughs) Let me tell you why we did this. We scoured around. We said, what is the cheapest food we can eat in this country? Tomatoes in Zambia were grown on big farms, but they didn't pick them early. They were vine ripe. They were as big as your hand. They were red, juicy. They tasted like vine ripe garden tomatoes, and they were cheap. So we could go to the market and buy them. You could go to the local grocery store and the grocery stores had bakeries in them and they baked homemade bread right there. You'd walk into the store and it would immediately attract you to the back. You know, I mean, you couldn't not buy homemade bread. And so we would go and buy a couple of loaves of hot bread, take it home and let it sit on the counter for 30 minutes. And then we cut it with uh, a knife. And we also made our own mayonnaise mayonnaise was expensive we couldn't afford to buy a jar of mayonnaise well we could have if we had spent the cost of living right but we were saving that and so we made our own mayonnaise if you've never made your own mayonnaise it's way better than what you can buy and so every day at lunch our family of six ate tomato and mayonnaise sandwiches It was so good. It was like eating a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, except there was no bacon and lettuce on it because those were too expensive. We couldn't afford that. Now, you might say, well, dang, Woody, that's kind of radical. Right. That's the point. If you could save $32,000 this year or if you could save $5,000 this year simply by eating tomato sandwiches every day at lunch, wouldn't you do it? You better say yes. (laughs) Now, obviously, this wasn't the only thing we did that year to save $32,000, but it was typical of what we did to save. If you want to save money, you've got to get radical. So what would that look like for you? You know, I did a little research this week. Do you know that the average family of four across the United States for your cell phones, for your cable TV, for your internet at the house, and for your entertainment spends $400 a month? Do you know that if you are a family of four and you go out to eat three times a week and you just eat normal food, we're not talking going to fancy places. You eat normal food and you leave a, a reasonable tip. You're gonna spend $600 a month just doing that. That could nearly fund your entire food budget. Cancel something, quit going out to eat, do whatever you have to do to save money. Well, why are Clayton and I talking like this? Because we don't want your money to be a burden to you. We want you to be financially free so that you can lay down a 20 anytime. Y'all, we want you to be out of debt. We want you to be able to put your kids through college. We want you to be able to support your mom and dad in their old age. We want you to be able to help the people that you love. We want you to be able to respond to anything that God asks you to do we want you to lay up treasure in heaven so that when you get there, you'll have a 401k to draw on. Now, most of us are gonna need some help doing this. If you have struggled to pay your debts, if you're in debt and you've not been able to save, chances are you're not just gonna walk out and do this because you heard me talk about it tonight Today. And so we're gonna need some help. And that is why we are encouraging you. We're begging you to sign up for uh, Ramsey's Financial Peace University. You can go out on the plaza today and go to the center pavilion there. And you can do it immediately after the service. Y'all, if we're going to get our money to work for us, we gotta get radical about it. Now... I can imagine that there could be someone at uh, and this is just your first time to wander into City Church today and you said you know the music I I I like that and I actually like this stuff about you know about money and it seems really practical but what's all this talk about the coming age? Well the coming age is just one of the New Testament phrases for eternity. And God, as he has given us many good gifts, has also given you and me the opportunity to spend eternity with him. And the way he's done that is he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that if you and I believe in him as our savior, we can spend the coming age forever together with him. And so if you've never heard that or you've never considered that, not only will money change your life, but your faith in Jesus will change your life forever. And so I wanna ask you to pray with me. And let's commit ourselves to doing what we need to do so that our money is not a burden to us. Heavenly Father, We thank you for every gift that you give us. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We thank you for the gift of our money, for the gift of our employment, our careers, our education, all the opportunities that we have going for us. Lord, I pray for those who haven't quite gotten that figured out yet in their life. I pray that you'd guide them in that. And Lord, I pray that the way we use our money would not only be beneficial to us, but that as Paul said, it would be generous and helpful to others as well. Lord, help us to get a handle on our money so that we can live the kind of lives we wanna live. And we pray these things together in Jesus' name, amen.